okay? Good morning. Okay, so here's the deal. If there is an empty seat next to you, we need you to raise your hand and let us know that there is an empty seat there, okay? All right, good. There actually are some. Okay. Um, so keep, please, no, no, no. Keep them up, okay? Uh, we, are, we are literally full to the back doors right now, and we're still trying to get some people in. So like for the next 30 seconds, just leave them up if you would, okay? When your arm gets really, really tired, then you can put it down, okay? We're trying to fill in. Hey, I, just so you know, guys, I mean, this service is packed out crazy uh, right now. And you get that the really, really smart people at Cornerstone don't come to this service, right? That, that the traffic is really, really bad. It's hard to find a seat. It's hot in here because there's too many bodies. Uh, there is lots of room at 8 o'clock. There's room at 11.55. And there's room at 5 o'clock. Uh, so if... if, if it might be a, we got three years before we can probably get another building up. So uh, give us a hand, maybe head towards one of those other services, uh, be part of that. We are on the second Sunday of a series that we're calling Simple. And uh, what we began talking with each other last week about was this idea that said, many of us that walk into this room live maxed out lives. We've got maxed out children, we've got maxed out schedules, uh, we are maxed out spiritually. Uh, we're maxed out financially, and that really the reality is you and I can't sustain that for long. It make, may make good programming on TV, but, but you and I weren't designed. We can't live that way on a sustained basis, and, and, and so we've been simply saying, is it possible to live life simpler than that? Is, is it possible to maybe not live with our toes dangling over the precipice of life all the time. And here's what you need to hear us say, we're not talking about boring. We're not talking about backing down and nothing. The truth is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be moments in your life in which God is going to invite you to some unbelievable hair-raising moments of incredible risk. We're not talking about boring. We're simply saying, you and I can't sustain life living on the edge. That, that if, if you and I say, look, I'm going to spend every dollar I have because I can. I, I'm going to schedule every minute that I have because I've got it. I, I'm going to push my kids all the way to the limit. I'm going to take my marriage for everything that it can handle. And you and I live constantly in that moment. Something will come. Uh, the car will break down. My schedule will blow up. There'll come that moment of temptation when I wasn't watching, and you'll go over the edge. That you and I were never intended, never designed, or built by God to live our lives on the harried edge. And what we, we discovered last week was really two principles. Number one is that Jesus invited us to something else, that He simply said this, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that if you and I are living in a moment in our lives going, man, I, I just, there is no way I can keep this up. It's possible that you and I have taken on ourselves yokes, responsibilities. We've listened to influences and, and heard voices that have nothing to do with Jesus. That, that you and I have got yokes upon our shoulders that Jesus never intended for you and I to have. And that the invitation of Jesus is not to add His yoke, to, to take a little Jesus on top of everything else, but what Jesus invited you and I to do is to consider taking those other yokes 
and setting them aside and saying to you and I, what would it be like to have just one yoke, one Lord, one Savior, one responsibility within your life, and that is to live a life pleasing to God? What would, how much would that simplify this thing? And then the second thing we said is that as we journey with it, we're going to find that all through Scripture, God is going to invite us to margin. He's going to invite us to live the majority of our lives a step back from the edge. That within that margin, when I don't spend every penny that comes, when I don't use every moment that I have, when I don't push my spiritual life absolutely to the limits of what I can sustain, that when I have margin, that God does His best work, that God's invitation to join Him and to do remarkable things in my life always happens within the margin. And so we said we're going to spend the next five weeks kind of exploring those two principles together. So, if it's true, if it's true that the closer I get to Jesus, the simpler my life becomes, what if you and I simply did a diagnostic today? What if, what if you and I, with just absolute unqualified honesty in our own lives, self-evaluated and said, where am I in this journey? If it's true that the closer I come to Jesus, the simpler my life becomes, then where am I with Jesus? So we just want to give you a moment. This, we're just going to walk through. We're going to talk about different stages within the Christian life. And I'm just, where are you? How far have you made it so far? And where is it that God still wants to take us? Some of us in this room are pre-Jesus. You're still trying to figure this thing out. You're still trying to decide, what do I really believe about God? Can I sign off on this? I've still got questions. I'm not sure. I, I, the truth is, I'm not sure I'm ready for this yet. You're, you're pre-Jesus. And you just need to know that if you're sitting in this room today and you're pre-Jesus, you're in the right place. This church was created and part of the passion of that was to give a place for people who were pre-Jesus to come sit in the room and have the discussion and find answers and have plenty of time to figure Jesus out. So you're in the right place. Matter of fact, we estimate on any given Sunday that probably 20% of this room is pre-Jesus. People who are still exploring, still trying to figure out, trying to decide, do I really, really, really buy this or not? And really, if you're one of those 20% that are here today, chances are you fall into one of two categories. Uh, you probably fall into the category, you know you're pre-Jesus. There's no doubt in your mind. The way you've lived your life up until now, the way you've responded when people have talked about God, truth is, you know. There's no doubt in your mind that you haven't made a decision yet, that you're still in the process, you're still looking, you're still trying to figure this thing out. There's a second category of people who are pre-Jesus. They're people who don't know they're pre-Jesus. And very, 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 very often, these people are people who've grown up religious. See, if you go to them and say, hey, are you a Christian yet? Have you made that? They go, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was born in a Christian home. I, I, my, my parents took me to church from the time I was a little kid. I, I was baptized as a kid. Matter of fact, I've been attending this really, really, really cool church in Chandler called Cornerstone. Of course I'm a Christian. 
I, I love God. I, I think God's the coolest person, and I pray a whole bunch, and I even read my Bible a couple times last year. You get the behaving like a Christian doesn't make you a Christian, right? You, you get that, that really in many ways, this is, this, is, this is what I call the spiritual version of shacking up. See, I want all the benefits of being a Christian without any of the commitments. And just because you play at being married doesn't mean you're married. you got to make a commitment and just because you go through the motions and you act like all the believers that you know doesn't mean you're a believer yet. And just because you go to church, if you walk into a garage, does that make you a car? And you just need to know that walking into a church, I don't care how many times you walk into a church, I don't care how many times you open your Bible, I don't care how many times you pray without a commitment, you're pre-Jesus. So someone's going to well, I mean, Lynn, I mean, what does that mean? Because you got me a little worried right now. What is, what is, what does that take? I mean, what, what are you, how are you defining this? And, and the truth is, it's really, really simple. What you do with the cross changes everything. See, being a follower of Jesus Christ is not defined by how many Sundays you make it to church, or did you give offering, or were you baptized as a baby that. And the answer at the end is always, what did I do with the cross? If you left here today, and let's say you don't make it back for next Sunday, you're in a car accident between now and then, and so you find yourself standing at the gates of heaven. St. Peter's there, and St. Peter says to you, well, why do I let you in? What would your answer be? And if that question causes you to pause, if, 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 if that question leads you to writing a list, well, yeah, I, I, I was born in a Christian home, I, I was baptized as a kid, I, I went to church, I, I like God, I think I even love God. If that question leads you to a list, chances are you're pre-Jesus. Because there's really only one answer in that moment. Why do you get in? And that answer is simply this. Because I have trusted the cross of Jesus Christ. That I get that it wasn't about earning my way or doing enough right things or behaving like a Christian. It was about a commitment. A commitment that said, I need the death of Jesus to pay my way to pay for me to go to heaven. And I'm not trusting membership in a church, and I'm not trusting prayer. I'm, not tr I'm trusting one thing, Jesus, my Savior, dying on a cross for me. That's why I get in. Okay? So. You, make, you make that commitment. You make that decision. That's when you move. That's what brings you to the other side of this. Some of us in the room that we were really, really honest, and 
we would just say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a baby Christian. I, I'm, I'm just now getting this thing going. I'm, I'm just now uh, kind of getting this journey started. Matter of fact, the best way maybe to define a baby Christian is simply this. There is more of me in me than there is Jesus in me. Let me say that again. There is more of me in me than there is Jesus in me. Baby Christian. And, and the reality is every baby Christian probably that's ever existed has tried or at least attempted to do this. To, to try to stand in that moment and say, look, look, I, I, I like having a little bit of Jesus in my life, but I'm not sure I want to give up my former life. So I, I think I'll just park here for a little while. Could I just have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world too? That's what baby Christians do. Because, you ready? There's more of me in me than there is Jesus in me. Matter of fact, Scripture describes this moment, this challenge within the walk of a believer. If you have your Bibles, grab them this morning. Go with me to 1 John. 1 John is going to be like all the way at the back of your Bible. So if you start going there and you get to the book of Revelation, turn around. It's really scary. Okay? Don't stay there long. Get back to 1 John. It's right, it's right next door. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, here's what it says about this, about being a baby Christian. We know that we have come to know Him, Jesus, if we obey His commands. You get what it said? You'll know that you've made this, that you've come across here, that you've made this decision, if you obey His commands. Now, don't change words. It doesn't say, you'll know you're a Christian because, or I get to be a Christian because I obey. All it's trying to say in this moment is this, that when a person truly makes this commitment, the change that happens within their heart is so radical, so different, that their entire attitude about God and what God says changes. You go to a person who's pre-Jesus, and you say to them, hey, you realize some of the stuff you're doing, I mean, man, that, that will mess your life up. You keep doing that, you're going to be in trouble. As a matter of fact, Scripture says you shouldn't do that. Jesus says you shouldn't do that. And you know what a person pre-Jesus says? So? So? You go to a person who's figured out the cross, who's made a personal commitment to Christ, and you say to them, hey, you realize that that's a bad decision. You realize Scripture says that followers of Christ aren't supposed to do that. You realize Jesus would be hurt by that. And you say that to a true believer. And you know what the answer is? I know. But... Because there's more of me in me than there is Jesus in me. You get the change? You get the difference? I know. I know I shouldn't. I know, I know. I know. 
you get that being a baby Christian has nothing to do with time. See, this isn't, this isn't like the physical realm where just by the passing of time, people are naturally going to age and naturally going to develop and naturally grow up. It doesn't happen that way spiritually. It's possible to be a baby Christian 10, 15, 20 years into your walk with the Lord. Because there's still more of me in me than there is Jesus in me. And I just haven't been ready to make any of those commitments, and I haven't been ready to make any of those moves. And You get that believers who stay in spiritual diapers, who still aren't spiritually potty trained yet, are the ones that blow these people up. See, because what, what people pre-Jesus do is they look and they go, look, if you're a brand new believer and you've only been doing this for a little while, I get that. I mean, you were me just six months ago. I, I understand that. But when they look at you and me and you and I are still here, there's still more of me in me than there is Jesus in me, and I've been doing this for 15 years. You get what these guys say, right? See, I knew. I knew this Jesus thing didn't work, and, and the truth is, you're no different bunch of hypocrites. See, there's, there's, there's nothing uglier than a 20-year-old baby Christian. There's, there's another place on this journey. There's another. It's the growing Christian. See, this, this person's figured out that as I progress, as I go, there's supposed to be less and less and less of me and more and more and more of Jesus. That's, that's what this thing is about. That's what this journey is about. And they have fully accepted that. They've fully embraced that. And they said, look, you can mark my walk. You can see my walk because as you go through the years, there's less and less of me and more and more of him. And matter of fact, one of the ways you would define a growing Christian is simply this. There's more of Jesus in me than there is me in me. I'm a growing Christian. Matter of fact, again, the Scripture kind of defines uh, this moment. It's in the book of Matthew, which is going to be a little bit to the left of where we were. Matthew, chapter 16, and Jesus describes what a growing Christian looks like. It's Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples... If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself less and less of him, more and more of me. Take up his cross. Get that there's something I created them for. Great. Get that there's a purpose and, and a mission in life that's bigger than what they've self-assigned. And that part of this journey is figuring out why I put them on the face of the earth. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, let him follow me. Ready for this? For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. You get that there's a problem here. That, that if you were to go to a growing Christian, 
they, they'd say to you, look, I, I get this. I, I, get, I get that Jesus needs to be on the throne of my life. I get that. I, I can't be here anymore because there needs to be less and less and less of me and more and more and more of him. So a growing Christian gets up off the throne. It's what they do next that's the mistake. And instead of turning and getting on their knees at the feet of their Lord, they walk to the back of the chair. They place their hands on the shoulder of Jesus and lean over to whisper in his ear. And the conversation goes something like this. Jesus, you, you can have all of this. Because I get that there needs to be less and less and less of me and more and more of you. So all of that you can have. You just can't have these. Because there's still one or two or three things in my life that I'm just not ready to deal with and I'm not ready for you to deal with either. And, and, and someday, someplace, somewhere, we'll, we'll get around to this when I'm ready. But I'm just not ready yet. You get the moment, don't you? That if Jesus is sitting on the throne, but he has to ask your permission for which things he can have and which things he can deal with and which things are off limits. You get who's still Lord, don't you? That in that moment, you and I have made Jesus a puppet Lord because I'm still directing and this is just pretending. You know what we keep in these boxes, right? We keep those last few things. And very often we find a way to decorate the outside and an awful lot of people have no idea. Usually this is more sins of our heart instead of actions because they'd catch on to actions. So this is unforgiveness and deep moments of bitterness and anger. This is moments of listening for the applause of others, needing their approval. Sometimes it's lust because I can turn off the lights and I can wait till everybody else goes to bed and no one knows what's in my box. Sometimes it's the lies I tell in life to make myself look better and have others be impressed and just enough lying that I can't get caught. Here's what you need to know. There's a decision to still be made. There's a place that is a Christ-centered life a place where there's no more of me and there is only him. And you can't get there with one of these. Matter of fact, Scripture, scripture decide, d- describes this step over the line. And if you have your Bibles, go with me one last time. It's It's the book of Galatians, 
So if you were in Matthew, just go to the right. If you closed your Bibles, go to the back and go to the left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is Paul describing this moment, this Christ-centered moment within his life. And here's what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. He said, look, Jesus died on a cross, but I'm dying every day. See, I'm taking whatever parts of me I find, and I'm nailing them to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Remember we said that being close to Christ makes our lives simpler? Here's how that works. When you and I are starting out over there, there's all sorts of voices that speak into my life. There's old friends and there's culture and, and people that I've known all my life. There's my mother-in-law <laughs> that speaks into my, all sorts of voices that speak into me. Some of you are wondering what the big hole is. That's Oprah. <laughs> and what happens in my life is, is that as I begin to do this journey, as I, be, I begin to go, you know what, it's probably, there's probably voices I shouldn't be listening to. And, and so what happens in my life is I go, all right, so, so there's my friends that are, that are pre-Jesus. And, and since they're not where they probably need to be, they probably shouldn't be speaking into me. And, and you know what, there's things I see on TV and in culture, and that probably isn't the best way for me to get my information and make my decisions. And You and I slowly but surely began to say to some of the voices, you know what, you no longer have place in me. You no longer can speak to me. And suddenly, life gets a little bit simpler because I'm listening to fewer and fewer voices. You get what happens in the life of a believer when they do this. And all the other voices grow silent. And there's only one. It's the voice of my Savior. It's the voice of my Lord. One Savior, one Lord, one voice, and suddenly, it's simple. What it means to be here is to live for the applause of one. You ever watched a child give a performance publicly? And when it's over, everybody's clapping. Watch the eyes of that child. They'll be searching the crowd. For who? For mom and dad. Because in the heart of that child, it doesn't matter that everybody else is clapping as long as mom and dad are clapping. 
you get that's the moment in this believer's life. That what this believer has come to is, it's not about me. It's about him. And if at the end of the day, if there's only one person in the back of the room, as long as that person is Jesus, I'm okay. You say, Lynn, how do you, how do, you do that? What is that? It's dealing with this. Because none of these go there. And the answer, I don't know what's in your box. I don't know that thing that keeps you from the applause of one. If you're Abraham, then Isaac is in your box. All of your hopes for the future, all of the plans you've made for yourself, Everything you've ever dreamed, it's Isaac in the box. It's why God has to have a conversation with Abraham in which he says, Abraham, if I asked for Isaac, would you? It's why he ends up on Mount Horeb with a knife in his hand. You get in that moment, he's answering the last question. If you're Peter, it's approval. It's Jesus saying to Peter, 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 honestly, would you turn away the applause and the approval of everybody else in this world for my applause and for my approval? And Peter's saying, absolutely, Jesus, I would die for you. And Jesus says, really? Because tonight a little 12-year-old girl is going to ask you if you believe in me, and you're going to tell her no. I don't know what's in your box. I don't know what that is. For me? It was being a missionary. I had sold out to God, and I said, I'll do anything. I'd surrender to ministry, and I just had one little caveat, just one little moment. I said, look, Jesus, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you want me to do. Just don't make me a missionary, because missionaries wear polyester, <laughs> and they eat really, really weird food. And I even said, I said, look, look, here's it. I'll go on a bunch of mission trips to kind of make up for it. So as a young man, I'm on a missions trip for a week. Anybody want to guess the conversation God had with me? Anybody want to guess which box God was interested in? And at the end of the week, I got down on my knees and I just said, Jesus, even that box, even a missionary. To which he said, just ask him. I just had to know the answer. So here's the question. Where are you at? Where are you at? And is it where you ought to be? there are some of us in this room today who need to get into a conversation with God and say, God, I know. I've been where I've been far, far too long and I've fought you far, far too hard and I know I'm not where I need to be. I want us to do something this morning that's a little bit different for Cornerstone. 
because I just think a decision like this is not something you just bow your head and run out the back door. I think a decision like this requires boldness and courage. And so I'm going to invite you, if you're here today and you just go, Lynn, I know, I've gotten stalled in here. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to ask you to declare publicly that I'm done. Count me in for the journey. And I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat when we play in just a moment. Make your way over to this side of the auditorium. Come up the ramp. Walk. And publicly declare and less of me and more and more of him. There are some of us in this room who are pre-Jesus and you need to just take this walk to say, I'm done playing church. I'm done acting. I'm going to walk through the cross. There's some baby Christians in here who need to say, I've been, I've been here far too long. There's some growing Christians who need to say, I'm done with the boxes. Some of us in the room, you don't need to come up here. Some of us just say, look, I'm not even ready for that decision, Lynn. I, I, that's just not where I'm at. Then don't come. That, that'd be, you'd be an absolute hypocrite to come up here and walk if you're not ready for that. There are some of us in this room who say, Lynn, I've already made that decision. And, and I haven't gone back on it. I'm, I'm, I'm already there and I'm fully committed and I'm living it. Then don't walk. But some of us in this room, our hearts are pounding through our chest. We need to walk. And for all of you, we're going to give you that chance. And when we're done walking, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stay because I want us to pray together a prayer of commitment. Let's pray right now. And those of you that need to walk, you come walk. Dear Lord Jesus, we're just going to pray for courage right now. There are some of us in this room who know that we know that we know we're not where we should be been wrestling and we've been hesitating and we're just done and whether that's beginning to die to ourselves or whether that's opening up that last box and saying God I even that box we're ready we're ready to see what life is like with less of me and more of you God give us courage in Jesus precious name